Welcome everyone once again to Christ Covenant Presbyterian Church on this week before Christmas Eve. Our scripture reading today is taken from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. And our message today is entitled Advent, uh, Jesus or Emmanuel. Uh, this is the Lord's word. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. May the Lord bless him, bless us in the reading of his holy word. Last two weeks, we looked at the story of the birth of Jesus and its surroundings through the eyes of Joseph and Mary. We saw that the Lord had chosen two humble people to give birth and to care for the Savior of the world. We saw that these two people were nothing special in the eyes of the society around them. And yet God, by his infinite wisdom, decided to bring about salvation, not through kings, not through power, but through weakness. We saw that even for ourselves, that our duty before the Lord, like Joseph and Mary, is not simply to prepare ourselves to be used by the Lord, but to simply surrender ourselves to be used by the Lord. There is no circumstance in your life that God cannot use to bless other people. And there's no circumstance in your life that God cannot use to grow your personal awareness of God's love and presence in your life. During this holiday season, some of you have wonderful memories of Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. Some of you have very bad memories. Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And whatever memories God has given you as this holidays come around, 
Know that the Lord in his sovereignty and love has not simply allowed it, but because of Jesus' life in you, you can now understand it, own it, redeem it, share it. For as Scripture says that the, 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 the sufferings that we have, Jesus comforts us those comforts overflow that we may comfort other people. And so as this holiday season continues to encroach upon us, and as perhaps stress levels rise or perhaps you don't know how to feel about this season as adults and not children, seek always to have Christ forefront in your minds and seek always to look about you and to serve people as God has. And as last week we saw in, in Mary's Magnificat, her song, you too carry a good song in your heart to the Lord. knowing that you know more than Joseph. You know more than Mary. You know the fullness of God's plan and that no one and nothing will stop his kingdom. So sing that song, that Christmas song. singing with joy and with love in your hearts. In our message today, we sort of expand on this ideal idea of humility. And we see the person of Jesus and who he was to become. And what's always been interesting to me when I read the story here, Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25, is I always question what what was this baby's name supposed to be? We know that his, his name is Jesus or, or Yeshua. What I hear in our scriptures, it, it says in verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. I remember the day when my youth pastor was, was, uh, was teaching and I raised my hand and I asked him, why isn't his name Emmanuel? Is just something wrong with scripture? It says his name will be Emmanuel. Not, not, not Jesus, but he says, well, no, look, it says, Joseph, you should call him Jesus. I always questioned, what's in a name? Why is a name so important in scripture? You know, for us in society today, names are just about what's, what sounds good, what's popular. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of that. You know, I'm a pastor. I didn't name my kids after Bible characters. You know, that's, that's a rare thing not to do. But I just, we decided to name our kids after just, just the sound, the assonance of Ch Chase, Choi, Charissa, Choi. We just, we just liked the beauty of the, of the way that sounded. 
But you ask the older generation of pastors, they're like, oh, where's that in the Bible? I'm like, um, it's in God's creation. <laughs> and even in, for those of you who've grown up in, in the Korean context, uh, you know that you know, Korean, you have your last name, first name, your middle name, and each generation, you'll either have the first, same first name or the same middle name. And it just switches back and forth, the first name or the middle name, depending upon um, your, your clan, basically. But this generation today has, has stopped doing that. No one, no one really follows it anymore. And so we ask ourselves, well, what's, what's, what's in the name? What's important about a name? But even if we don't have sort of these, these cultural sort of um, uh, things to grab onto to, to name people, we all name our children or name people, na name our children after something that's pleasant to us or sounds good to us. I had a friend who um, loved to name Eric. His, he wanted to name all his children with ease. He loved to name Eric. His, his, his best friend was Eric. But then one day, the Lord brought into his life a testing. A man who just tried his patience. A man who took advantage of him. A man who sort of became his enemy. And from that point on, he did not like the name Eric. So when his son was born, James. Or if you look in Philadelphia, where I'm from, all of a sudden, you know, if you follow football, we have a quarterback by the name of Carson Wentz. The name of babies whose name is Carson has increased tremendously. And so names have importance to us, even as human creatures. But the significance of names in Scripture is greater than that. For the names that God bestows upon his servants describes their role, describes their servanthood to God and his redemptive history. And the names that God gives these people shows that God's act is to redeem his people. We see this in the way that, that God loves to, to not only give names, but to change names. Remember the, the first patriarch, Abraham. When he came out of Ur to Israel, his name was simply Abram, Avram. Nothing really significant about that name. But God, after giving his covenant to him and saying, you'll be the, the father of many nations, changed his name accordingly. Avraham, which means the father of many. For when the Lord changes your name, when the Lord gives the name to special people in redemptive history, it is a promise or a mark that God will accomplish what he promised. In the New Testament, we, we see that with, with, with 
with the Apostle Peter. And as all of you know, because you're good Bible students, before his name was Peter, his name was Simon. That's right. I, I heard all of you say that at the same time. <laughs> his name was Simon. Simon Peter. But the Lord changed us. Jesus changed his name to, to Peter or, or Petras, which means the rock, because God said, the Lord said, on this rock, on your confession, Peter, I will build my church. And so on his confession and the works of the apostles, the entire church has been built up. Jesus as a chief cornerstone, but the prophets and the apostles being the foundation of what we have today. Names have import to special people that God has chosen to bring about redemption. And there's no difference in the name of our Savior that we have today. Sure, he could be called Nick. He could have been called Peter. He could be called John. But the Lord wanted you to know and us to know that the one who is to come to change the course of history and to save his people will have a particular name that will signify what he's called to do. The name that he was given, the most important name that we see, is Jesus. The angel tells Joseph, when your child is born, when the child is born, you shall call him Jesus. Now, Jesus simply is, is, is it's Hebrew, but it's kind of a little bit truncated, but it, it's, it's Yeshua, but it, it, it really comes from Joshua, which simply means Jesus, or sorry, not Jesus, but he saves or he will save. And so Jesus' name describes who he is and, and what he's going to do. He's the one who will who who saves or who will save his people. And this is a great name. A name that all the people of, of the Hebrew descent would come to understand that this name Jesus is not like another name for another prophet. But God is giving him a name that reflects who he is and what he will be doing. And that is he will save many, many from their sins. Let's pause. When you think of Jesus, I urge you, Jesus is not simply your best friend. He's not someone you call up in the middle of the day and say, hey, Jose, Jesus, come on over. Let's, let's play some video games. Let's get some coffee. Let's talk. Jesus is a friend, but his name isn't friend, but he encompasses friendship, so, so he, he has that, but that's not his primary role in your life. 
And Jesus is not a guru who's come to make your life better either. He's not someone who we sort of tap onto like, like Google and say, hey, Google, what should I do tomorrow? Hey, Jesus, what's my life look like tomorrow? And get the answer and to move on. Hey, God, what's the weather like tomorrow for me in my life in the next year? Now, Jesus knows all things and sees all things. But Jesus is more than simply someone who has insight into our lives to give us advice. Now, both of these things are not bad. Both of these things are given in Scripture. We, in our lives, we, we, we have difficulties, and we, and we go to the Lord and go, Lord, I need a friend. My enemies have surrounded me. Or you go, Lord, my future is, is uncertain. And I need your help to guide me to make wise choices for your kingdom. But we always must return to Jesus' primary name and who he is. Scripture teaches us that Jesus is the one who came to save the lost, that he is the one that while we were yet still sinners, that he died for us, that the main reason that he came was to seek and to save the lost, that our role in the salvation is simply to admit that we cannot save ourselves, and to allow God to rescue us. God has come to save us from our sins. And so we go back to the basics once again, here in our church, here in our lives. Has Jesus come to rescue you? Has Jesus come to save you? Has darkness been lifted from your eyes and your heart? And do you see light and life wherever you go? I enjoy Christmas season, and on, we, we all should, because it's a reminder of a little babe child who's come in his innocence to save those who are lost, the humble, to save the dead. Jesus saves. But there's this other name that we see here in Matthew that the writer really seizes upon. Emmanuel. 
Now, we know in Isaiah that, you know, if you listen to the Messiah, he, you know, he should be called Almighty Father, Prince of Peace, Holy One. The writer seizes upon a name that is important to him. And this is the name Emmanuel. And in Hebrew, it simply means, as it says here in the Gospels, God is with us. Or a better way of putting it is, in Hebrew, the, the, the order is reversed. It's, it's with us, God. And so the God is paramount, and with us describes what type of God he is. Instead of the predicate, like God is, well, God is whatever. But no, with us, God is essential to who he is. And this has always been a struggle in, in all of religious history. And it's always been a struggle, even in, in our lives today. Is, is God a transcendent God who is simply out there to be worshipped? Someone who is holy. Someone who is, in a sense, disinterested in the affairs of human beings. And perhaps if we take it really far, is he simply a deus God who is out there, who sort of gets things going and just simply allows history to take its course. And God is transcendent. He is to be worshipped. But then there's a desire in us as human beings to have a God who's imminent in our lives or amongst us. A God who can be, be, become that buddy, a God that, that hears our every need. And at its worst, imminence simply means that everyone or everything becomes God or God-like. You're a God. You're a God. I'm a God. Creation is, has God-like characteristics. And we want to bring God down so we can see him and touch him and experience him. And we're torn because if God is too far away from us, then we feel alone and lonely in this world. But if God is too much with us or like us, then we start to be contemptuous of God because he's no different than you and me. And our hearts vacillate back and forth. If you want to study philosophy, this is one way that you can look at it. It's how philosophy has wrestled with God being transcendent, God being imminent. Back and forth, back and forth. And we want that too. There are times that our hearts want something that's bigger than us. Someone that knows that, someone who, who's in control of all things. Someone who has a plan for all of life that we can follow. But then there are times where we just want God to be with us. Who will care for us and hear us. And the child of Jesus 
we have transcendence and imminence all wrapped up into one. We have the desires that God has put in our heart all wrapped up into one. This God-man named Jesus has come down from heaven and we are to worship him. And yet God in this gospel, in this infinite wisdom, wants you to know that the salvation that he offers you is not impersonal, it's not simply legal or judicial, it's not simply a quick get-out-of-jail card-free thingy. but that that salvation he gives you is a personal salvation. For he is a God who dwells amongst you and is with you. He is the one who became like you and me. He is the one, as we read today, in our words of assurance, has identified with us as human beings. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your temptations. That there is nothing secret about you. That this imminence allows him to truly know you and love you. And his transcendence allows you, allows him to save you. This transcendence allows you to worship him. And his imminence allows you to be embraced by him and loved by him as well. He is our God who dwells with us. So on this Christmas day, well, next week, but as we look at his name, I ask you this question about our God, Emmanuel. He is like you. There is nothing that you are going through that he does not know. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe it's a little bit longer than that, when, when my wife and I had the opportunity to visit um, James and uh, Joanne. Um, and as she was having contractions early in her pregnancy, she got all worried and, you know, normal. You know, it's normal to get worried when you're, when you're having contractions and the baby's not due yet. And they were just going crazy. And I remember my wife and I just went there, and you know, some of you know our story. Our, our kids were 24-weekers. And my wife and I were, we were just very calm. <laughs> we, we understood the situation. We understood the hospital. We understood all the lingo. We understood everything that was going on. 
And in all honesty, we didn't really say much to them. But they knew our experience. And even when I talked to James, and James was looking for this great wisdom from me, and I just I said to him, this is why you need to love your wife more. That's all I said. <laughs> no great spiritual insight at that point. Because why? Just, just our presence. And them knowing our story was an encouragement. When Jesus says he's Emmanuel, it means he's come into your life. He knows your story. He knows your circumstances. He knows your difficulties. And when you look at him, you must look at your Savior and say, thanks, Jesus. You get me. You get me. And you love me. Let the Lord God save you as the intimate God that he is in your life. And then lastly, my charge to all of you who experience and know salvation and its roots that dig deep into your heart. The message is simple. Go. Go and, and not simply tell people about Jesus. We like to sort of model the, the transcendent aspect of it. It's like, let me just sort of tell people the gospel and tell people the good news of Christ and, and be standoffish. No. Our <clears throat> lives need to be incarnate. Our lives need to be imminent amongst people where Jesus was. And you go. And yes, don't pretend to be able to understand everything that's going on with someone else's life. Don't ever pretend to do that. But there are two things you can do. One, listen. And love them for what you can understand simply a creature made in God's image who's broken and sinful as well. But more importantly, if I could say this colloquially, bring your buddy Jesus with you and say, my buddy Jesus knows everything you're going Let's talk to Jesus together. Let me pray for you. This Jesus is not far, that he cannot be touched or seen. This Jesus is with us here today. And so let us worship him and see him together. So what's in the name? I hope my name's true. I hope I'll be young forever, but I don't think that's going to work. But Jesus, 
you will always be the one who saves. Jesus, you'll always be the one that is with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. There is no one like you. Lord, Scripture is just full of truths that transforms people's minds and hearts. And Lord, again, we confess that our hearts and our minds like to sort of mold reality according to our own wisdom and desire. No matter how much it looks like Scripture, how much it sounds like good Christian truth, Lord, we are prone to wander, and so we need your word. And we need to be reminded, rebuked, and changed to know that you, Jesus, you came to save. That is your primary goal. And that's what you've done for us. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses. And you rescued us. And you did so, Lord, with this other beautiful title, this, this, this name as well of Emmanuel. That you weren't simply someone who just paid our debts and went about his merry way. but you saved us by entering into our lives. And so that which is transcendent has become imminent. That which is a mystery to philosophers and to all religions, whether God is afar or near, is answered. For in Jesus Christ, we have a God to be feared and a God that we can love. So continue to bless us, Lord as we celebrate your birth. And may we be encouraged and moved and compelled to love you and to love others. In Christ's name we pray, amen.